this episode, we will consider three important distinctions that will help clarify the economic issues around freedom and policies. Income and wealth, what we receive and what we have. Wealth is the totality of the resources you own or control at a particular moment. Wealth is your potential to act and to experience the world. It includes physical capital, like land, buildings, cars, and other tangible things. It also includes financial capital, like cash, bonds, and stocks. Beyond these, it can also include what is called human capital, like education, experience, and training. Even our social relationships and goodwill go into determining how wealthy we are. Income is the flow of resources you experience. We can also understand it as the change in wealth over time. Financial income includes wages, salaries, interest, dividends, and profits. However, when we get benefits like health insurance or employee discounts, these are also a form of income. In the bigger picture, anything of value that we receive is a form of income. When the flow of resources out exceeds the flow of resources in, income can be negative. A person with a large income need not be wealthy. Think of someone who makes $500,000 a year but does not own a home and has not saved anything. Likewise, someone can be wealthy but have little income. Think of a billionaire that loses $100 million in a year on their investments. It takes a lot of wealth to be able to lose a lot of money. It is wealth that provides the flexibility that we seek in our freedoms. This distinction is important because high income taxes might redistribute income, but it does not necessarily redistribute wealth. It might make more sense to reduce or eliminate income taxes and replace them with a wealth tax which would also obviate the need for an inheritance tax. Incentives and investments. What we can do depends on what we have. Incentives are the mixture of rewards and punishments used to persuade people to behave in particular ways. In our economic system, we use incentives such as higher incomes and prizes for preferred behavior and losses, fines, and jail time for undesirable behavior. The price of goods acts as a disincentive from consuming them. Investments are the assets we accumulate in order to produce what is valuable. These can be physical investments such as buildings, machines, robots, and computers. In other circumstances, they can be financial such as money, stocks, and bonds. They can even go further and be the time we invest in a project, a skill set, or relationships. Incentives can be very effective at times. However, they stop being useful when a person does not have the skills, attributes, or tools to accomplish those tasks. It is much more difficult for a person given $100 to make a million dollars in the next year than it is for someone who has a billion dollars to start. On the other hand, the potential to make a million dollars can be a stronger incentive for the person with only $100 than for someone with a billion dollars. As you consider what our politicians suggest we should do to make the world better, it is useful to ask, are we making the appropriate investments in order that the incentives are meaningful? 
If businesses really are having a difficult time finding Americans to fill skilled jobs, maybe the problem is not so much foreign competition as it is the failure of our country to invest in training our citizens with those skills. The largest long-term benefits come from improvements in education and nutrition at young ages, but require multiple generations to become self-sustaining. Transition costs and maintenance costs. How we change affects what we can sustain. Transition costs are those associated with changing a lifestyle, a way of doing business, or even a way of being. In essence, it is the full cost of moving between how we live. Maintenance costs are those associated with keeping and making enduring what is currently happening. In essence, it is the cost of staying within the life we have now. This distinction is important since even if a new way of doing things might provide an improvement, the cost of changing can be so large as to overwhelm any benefit. It is also true the younger one is, the longer one has to benefit from changing, and the more acceptable a transition cost can seem. Big changes in society, often called revolutions, often have tremendous costs, not just in money, but also in lives. Sometimes the benefits are minor. The value of our democratic system has been to avoid, for the most part, the very costly process of violent and destructive upheaval in order to change who has political power. This has allowed us to accumulate more wealth by our nation as a whole. Countries that are constantly in upheaval and experience destructive change tend to stay poorer and fail to create the abundance of more peaceful transitions of power. It also means that visionaries that imagine a world that redistributes the resources we currently have sometimes get it wrong because after the process of change has occurred, there may be less resources available. It can create a vicious cycle where the desire to change the world leads to actions that make the world one lives in less sustainable. Likewise, it is important for an older conservative establishment to leave room for evolutionary change. If not, the benefits for the young and disenfranchised may make revolution seem worthwhile. All of these are interconnected. Income acts as an incentive. It takes available wealth to make investments. The amount of maintenance costs affects how much one can save and thus accumulate wealth. When one has little wealth, the transition costs to make a better life may be too great to afford. To make long-term changes, one must be able to afford both the cost of change as well as the ongoing costs to maintain that new life. All of this means sustaining our freedom requires an honest, accurate assessment of what is required and what we will be willing to pay for in the future.